Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you for your word, the word which is eternally true. And we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed, we are renewed by your word, such that we follow Christ Jesus evermore, all to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are in the midst of a series, God's Church for a Time Such as This. And in this particular series, we've been laying layer after layer after layer. And the main question we've been dealing with is, what strengthens you? What builds you up in your faith, especially during times like this? And what are we to be, how, what are we to do during a time like this? How are, to, how are we to be God's church for times such as this? So we've been taking a look at various things. The first is the foundation of standing on Christ Jesus, the solid rock. And then about being devoted, not just doing, but being devoted to His Word, to fellowship, to prayer, to receiving grace through the sacrament, through the breaking of the bread. And then last week we took a look at, are you a fan or a follower of Christ Jesus? The fair-weather fan versus a follower. A follower who says, I will deny myself. I will die to myself. And I will follow you, Jesus, day after day. And to have you be the pattern for my life. And that's what we've covered so far. And then today, we're going to take a look at what it means to be a steward of the gifts that we have been given. Now, I know everybody thinks about stewardship as just money, but it's much more than that. Let's go with a, a working definition, if you will, of stewardship. Stewardship is the act of care and use of the gifts which God has given you. Stewardship is the act of care and the use of the gifts which God has given you. I don't know if you know this, but you and I were designed for, and we were commanded for, stewardship. And it's been that way from the very beginning. Going back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, unfortunately, some people have taken this verse to say that we are simply rulers and that we can do anything we want with God's creation. We are like consumers, just eat and eat and eat and discard however we want. Is that the design God had? It's not, is it? We aren't to just be consumers in that way. In fact, if you uh, the Amplified Version, I like how it has it. It says, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And then it has in brackets, Using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. That's that stewardship right there. So sitting back, just being a consumer was never the design or the command from the very beginning. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, 
the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is before the fall, you understand. So we were to be stewards. Unfortunately, most people have forgotten that message or have ignored it. And it's not only affected the material aspect, it's kind of affected the spiritual aspect as well. There are a lot of Christian consumers. And so what do I mean by that? We're going to talk consumers and collectors. Consumers tend to be spectators rather than contributors. So what does that mean? They focus on going to church to see what they're going to get out of it. And it is their preferences above all things that matter. And so they go to church and they want to be inspired and entertained. And you see that in a lot of the churches nowadays. I want to be inspired or entertained. Or I want things done my way. And if things aren't done their way, meeting their particular preferences, or they aren't inspired, or they aren't entertained, they do what consumers do. They shop for another church, right? You've heard that. So people shop for churches. That is truly a consumer-driven Christianity. But there's another type, similar to consumer but it is one that I just called collectors. So collectors appreciate the gifts, but they don't do anything with them. They take everything in. They are filled with all sorts of insights and spiritual wisdom, but then they don't do anything with it. That's like having... You've seen car collectors before, right? I know that's big in this area. People who have sheds of cars that they're all nice and gleamy, but they don't do anything with it. Or maybe you grew up with a, 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 maybe a mom or dad, who knows, but if you went in the living room, everything was covered in plastic, right? Because it's more important to keep that clean and pristine than actually use it or the people who are using it. You get the idea, right? So Christian consumers... Christian collectors, but we are not called to either one of those. The idea of stewardship has truly been lost in much of the American or Western churches. Let's go back. Stewardship is the active care and use of the gifts which God has given you. So, what is the greatest gift God has given you? Jesus, gospel, the salvation, right? That is the biggest gift. And so you and I are to be stewards of the gospel. So we're going to go to the reading from 2 Corinthians, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
So recall, if you will, Paul. Paul, before he became a Christian, he persecuted the Christians, the followers of the way. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. He was an enemy of Christ Jesus. Was he looking to be born again? He was not, was he? And yet, Christ Jesus literally intervened. He intervened. It is God who does the intervention. And Paul could put it in really no other way. One moment he was like this. Another moment he was different. He says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he knew it wasn't from him. It was from God intervening. It was God alone who provided reconciliation, which is the restoration of a broken relationship. We watched the movie last night, I Can Only Imagine. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's a really good movie. And it is all about reconciliation. It's about the lead singer from the group Mercy Me. And his father not only abused him, he beat him. He beat him so badly one time that he couldn't lay on his back. He could only be on his stomach. And so there was an animosity, obviously, between him and his father. And he left home. But God intervened. And there was a reconciliation in Christ Jesus with the Father. And because of that, the Son and Father, not long before he passed, the Son and Father were reconciled. And the movie is just a wonderful testament to the power of God through Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's reconciliation. So important is that word that Paul uses it four times in just a few short verses here. Reconciliation, a restoration of a relationship. And it is God alone, through Christ Jesus, who reconciled the world to himself. You see, you and I often talk about taking and bearing the weight of the world. Jesus did. On the cross, God poured out all the sin of the world upon him. As a matter of fact, in our reading today, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul understood that. It was no small matter. And so God gave to Paul a ministry of reconciliation. A ministry of reconciliation. Not just something to take in, but something to do for others. Because at its base, ministry means to serve. At its root, it means to serve. A lot of people think ministry is just for the office, like the pastor, or the assistant pastor, or a deacon. Or... But no, ministry is to serve. And we are all given a ministry of reconciliation. You have been given that as a gift. That's a gift that God gave you. And so the question is, what are you going to do with that gift? Will you just take it in? Will you 
put it in the living room and put plastic over it like you would the sofa? Or will you be a steward of this precious gift? That's really the question here. Are you going to be a steward of it? And see, God entrusted Paul to be a steward of that gift. And when I say entrust, I mean it in the full sense. To say entrust means you are given the responsibility of carrying out what God gave you. God entrusted that to Paul. He entrusts that to each and every one of us. So go back to the message, the gospel reading in Luke chapter 19. It's the parable, right? The parable of the minas. So minas are just a certain amount of money. So in the the short parable, the master went away and entrusted 10 servants to take care of his money. And he gave each servant 10 minas. And when he came back, some had put the minas to good use, right? They, they increased the number of minas. But one, one just said, you know, no, you're kind of harsh, so I just put it in a handkerchief. Just kept it away. And for him, there was a very harsh penalty, wasn't there? Jesus saying, you know what? He has gone, he's received his kingdom, he's coming back, and he's entrusted each of you with what is most precious. And to be stewards of that, just like, you know, you don't put your little light of mind under a basket. No, you have it shine for everyone. That's with the gospel. Be stewards of it. So, why? Because you can hear this. By the way, you can hear this like law. Like I'm just saying, you better do this. And I don't think you, I haven't done that since, have I? Okay? This is all gospel. This is gospel. It's gospel for Paul too. He says this, for the love of Christ controls us. I am compelled by the gospel. I don't do it just because it's the law. I do it because I am controlled by the love of Christ Jesus. And he says, therefore, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul says, I am so filled by the love of Christ that I am an ambassador for him. I am an ambassador, a representative, and I am a steward of this precious gift. And I want you to know about this. Why? Because I love Christ and he died for me. Therefore, I'm an ambassador. I'm a steward. That's the first thing. And look, if you don't get this part, I would almost venture to say the rest doesn't matter. That's why this is up front first. Stewards of the gospel. The second thing is you are to be stewards of the natural talents and spiritual gifts that God has given you. 
So we go to 1 Peter. I'm going to read from 1 Peter here, chapter 4, starting with verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if I were to sum this up, if I were to paraphrase it, it would be this way. We are all given natural talents and spiritual gifts from God, and we are to be stewards of his gifts for his glory. Now, at some point, you understand this, right? Everybody has natural talents, abilities, skills. You know, some people are athletes. Some people can run. Some people are more musically inclined. Some people are in the arts. Some people are in the math. Some people can till the land and have green thumbs. I mean, you get all of that, right? So all of us have a particular natural talent or gift given by God. The trouble is, most of us aren't world-class at that talent or skill. We aren't the worst, but we're somewhere in between, so we kind of go, eh, I don't know. I'm not really talented, right? I think God skipped over me. I know I've talked to a lot of you. God skipped over me for a lot of things. But here's the deal. What does Scripture actually say? It says, as God received, a, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. It doesn't say, well, if you were in that section, you got gifts. The rest of you are out of luck. It doesn't say that just a couple of you, God went, eh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. He didn't do that. It says, as each, each of you have received a gift then you're supposed to use that gift, right? You're supposed to use it. And there's no question, by the way, that each of you has at least one, if not more, gifts given by God, both natural and spiritual gifts. So, we are to be stewards. We are to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. Have you ever heard this quote, the woods would be quiet, if no bird sang, but the one that sang the best? You ever heard that one? I'll read it again. The woods would be quiet if no bird sang, but the one that sang the best. And that's how most of us think about our gifts. I don't sing the best, so I might as well be quiet. Well, look, if you want to feel bad about yourself, just compare yourself to anybody else who's better than you in whatever gift, right? It's really, really easy, and thus, it's really easy to discount the gift that God has given you and to say, well, I might as well not sing. But I'd like you to consider this. Together we sing as God has designed each of us to sing, not because we are the best but because God has given us a song to sing. Amen? Look, I am not the best singer in the world. I turn off my microphone, right? 
And although I'm musically inclined, I'm rhythmically challenged. And people know that too. <laughs> but do I dwell on that? Do I say, oh, well, then I must be silent. I, no, I still sing. I turn my mic off. I still sing. But how did God design me to sing? And I would say through my preaching and teaching. That's how, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's how I sing. And I sing to the best of my ability. I know I'm not the best, I'm not the worst, but I put everything I have to singing for the glory of God. So it's for the glory of God and then serving others so that you may be built up in your faith, that you may be strengthened, that you too can sing. Now what if I said to you, well, you know, I'm not the best, I'm not the worst, but given that I'm not the best, I should just hang it up. You'd say, are you crazy? God, God gifted you that way that you should do that, right? Well, maybe. Now you're like, well, I don't know. But let me turn that back to you, though. You see, God gave you certain gifts. Don't hang them up. You should sing, not because you're the best, but because God gave you that song to sing. That's what you should be doing. So, there we go. Got that. Okay. And here's the thing. You can't say, God gave me skills and abilities and then do nothing with them. That's either a consumer or a collector. God says you are to put them to use and to practice them. It is in the practice that you become more self-confident of the gifts that God has given you. So, in uh, 1 Timothy, it says this, Paul wrote to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that, they may, so that all may see your progress. I'm going to tell you right now, some people in this congregation and at home have the gift of prayer. You can pray. And I'm not talking King James flowery language, but you pray. Continue to pray and then pray with others so that they too may be encouraged. Pray. Some of you have the gift of faith. And faith is really taking God at his word and knowing that he will act and not being surprised when miracles occur because he has promised things. That's faith. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. George Mueller, he had faith that God would intervene, that God would act. Some of you have the gift of mercy. Mercy is the compassion you have for another person. Sometimes it shows up in empathy. For somebody who hasn't been here for a while, you might just want to reach out to them saying, hey, how are you doing? Or you might give them a ride or something like that. That's how mercy can show up. Some of you might have the gift of craftsmanship. So this is working with materials. 
and it could be the woodworking, it could be in glass, it could be in various construction, but it also could be the arts. And so you use your gifts for the service of others, for the ministry, for the gospel. You all have various gifts. Don't ever discount them. God says, be a steward of the gift I've given you. Don't put it away somewhere. I gave you this gift. Use it. Flourish. Sing how God has designed you to sing. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we've got steward of the gospel. We've got steward of the natural and spiritual gifts. And now we had stewardship of the material possessions. Now, I know when we get to this section, everybody thinks money, 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 right? I hope you can see by now that stewardship, how we are designed and commanded to do, is much more than just money. And stewardship of the material things, well, let me ask you this. What do you own? Now, in our age and We'd say, well, I've got a house, we've got a car, we've got this and that and this, right? Everything? Let me ask it a different way. As followers of Jesus Christ, what do you own? Nothing. Nothing. Everything you have is a gift from God. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Everything you have is a gift from God. The problem is, and it's been there from the beginning, we don't think so. We don't think so. Go to our reading from Deuteronomy. Chapter 8, starting verse 17. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm the covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. The easiest thing for us to do is to forget that everything comes from God. And we get so attached to that. It's ingrained in our culture. The more you have, the better off you are. And the better off you are, the more you think that you have done it all and not God. And it's really ingrained in our mind. The better off you are in your material circumstances, the less you think that God has anything to do with it. In Fountain Hills here, a study was done one time. We are not only above the percentage of people who have second homes, we are 20% above the average of people who have third homes. Now, I know Heidi's listening this morning. We can't even keep one home clean. I don't know about three. <laughs> yeah, I meant that. <laughs> but do you understand that? And here's, this, here's the effect, the spiritual effect of that wealth is that this is really hard ground. All the pastors in the ministerial will talk about that. This is hard ground. In 2018, a study was done. It's been confirmed other places. 9% of the population of Fountain Hills is churched. 
9% is churched. There's the effect of the material wealth thinking that you have done it on your, on your own. So first and foremost, we need to be reminded that everything is from God. And just as you are to be a steward of the gospel, you to be our steward of the natural and spiritual talents, you are to be a steward of your material possessions, including money. Now, since I've been here, we have never done pledges for our year budget. And I never want to do pledges for a year budget. Maybe some special project, but not for overall giving. Why is that? It's the difference between law and gospel. Some people will be under the compulsion of law, and it has certain negative effects. So if you think about this, law or gospel, the natural tendency is to think about giving to the church like a tax. Yeah? It is like a tax. And by the way, you can tell that it's a tax because uh, the studies have shown that the average American evangelical gives 2 to 3% of their income to churches or charities. And they treat it like a tax. And by the way, when you're under the compulsion to give, well, I signed up to give, you might be okay that first day, but then after a while, and certainly by December, it's like, right? It becomes this thing, and there's resentment that builds up. And when resentment builds up, you think, well, if I'm paying money, I want the color of the carpet like that. And you become either a consumer or a collector, right? Because now you're giving it. Do you see that if you want giving to be a pledge, it will often go to the law. That's the fact of it. Now, by the way, some people really need 10% tithing, that goal to break through the hardness of their hearts. Now, there is no law that says in the New Testament that you must give 10%, but some people need that because of the hardness of the heart. Let me give you an example. Uh, Back in the late 40s, a man approached Peter Marshall, who was chaplain in the U.S. Senate. He said, I have a problem. I've been tithing for some time. It wasn't too bad when I started out working. I was making $20,000 a year, and I could afford to give $2,000 a year. But you see, Peter, I'm now making $500,000 a year, and there's no way I can afford to give $50,000. When Peter Marshall thought about it, he said, yes, sir, I think you do have a problem. I think we ought to pray right now. What do you think? Would that be okay? And the man said, I think that'd be okay that we would pray. So Dr. Marshall prayed this, Dear Lord, this man has a problem. I pray that you help him, Lord. I pray that you reduce his salary back to the place where he can afford to tithe. Right? That's law. That's law. Yeah, you want to... Decker would like to have that problem. But we don't give because of the law. I mean, you can if you want, that's fine. But not really, is it? 
Because that doesn't sustain you. Paul said, the love of Christ controls me. Because of the gospel, because everything I give. I don't give to gain points. I don't give to be good. I give because God is good. That's why we say that every week. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen, period. That's why we give. And what I've noticed here throughout my time when I started, and we did financials last week, week before, the giving's doubled since I first came here. Not because I'm asking for more, or we are asking for more, but because there's an aliveness in the Spirit. And that's what we need to focus on again and again. It's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel for everything that we do. Everything that we do. I love how one commentator put it this way. Sharing material and spiritual blessings is the mark of a true church and a vivid demonstration of living Christianity. And that's what we want. That is what we are striving for, is to be alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That is stewardship. So, this week, and going forward, you have an assignment. On each one of your chairs, you had, bring a friend. And I don't actually need to do a show of hands, because most of you came here because somebody said, hey, come and see, check it out, right? Most of you are here because of that. It is now time in our journey at Joy Church to bring a friend, to be a steward of the gospel. And so on the back of the card, by the way, it has a place for you to write down 12 names. And, and there's a statistic on here. It says, how do people start attending a church? A friend invited me 86%. That's it. If you're waiting for me to grow the church very small percentage. It's for us. And it's not just about growing the church, is it? It's about stewardship of the gospel. Come and see. Come and see. That's the joy of it. So your assignment throughout this year, invite people. Say, come and see. One or two people. Have one or two people come per month. If each one of us did that, wow. The joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. Okay, so that's the first thing. Be an ambassador for Christ. The second is be a steward of your natural talents and spiritual gifts. Sing in whatever way God has given you. And if you want some help in that, set up some time with me and we'll talk. We'll talk. But sing. The the most beautiful words to me are, Pastor, I'd like to contribute in this way. I don't want to hear, Pastor, I have an idea for you to do. (laughs) You know that? I got enough of those. Pastor, what can I do? Here are my gifts. How can I put those gifts to work? All right? Sing. And then realize that all of your possessions aren't yours, they're his. And use his possessions for his glory. Amen.